Hello and welcome to episode 155 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. With Niche or your USP, your, you know, your secret source, you don't have to be original to the whole world. You just need to be unique to that customer. And that might be that you do something different to what somebody else does. Hello, my name's Ian Anderson Gray. And in this episode of the Confident Live Marketing Show, we're talking about how to work out your perfect audience. My guest today is Shelley Rosland. Let's get on with it right now. Welcome to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Helping you level up your impact, authority, and profits through the power of Confident Live Video. Optimize your mindset and communication and increase your confidence in front of the camera. Get confident with the tech and gear. And get confident with the content Content and marketing. marketing. Together, we can go live! Well, hello. Welcome to episode 155 of the Confident Live Marketing Show. We're talking about how to find out your perfect audience, otherwise known as avatar. And we're not talking about blue aliens here. From a marketing point of view, how do you work out who your audience is when it comes to writing your copy or uh, your live shows or all that kind of thing? So that's what we're going to be talking today. But I think it is time to bring in my good friend, Shelly. Shelly is a systems-led brand strategist who teaches entrepreneurs to transform their business into a momentum-building brand machine using brand archetypes, CX insights, and product refining. She helps them to focus momentum and entice the right clients to join their brands. Welcome to the show, Shelly. <laughs> uh, we've got to uh, put out the red carpet. And um, as... As the crowds die down, welcome to the show, Shelley. A lot of clapping, man. Uh, there clapping. is. Well, we, you know, we get excited, particularly <laughs> about the the topic today, because this is something that a lot of people struggle with when it comes to this. But before we get on to the topic of audiences and stuff, let us know where you're dialing in from. You're from that you said you said it was the middle of the UK. Just for for podcast listeners who've tuned in, yeah. So if you're not based in England, you won't know where Northampton is. But yeah, we're in the middle of England. Basically. It's a lovely place. Now, I was trying to work out where we actually met because I've got lots of happy memories of hanging out with you and your husband, Christian, in Diego. San Diego. But we also, we, we were at a conference in London. Yeah, uh, New well, Media we, Europe. Met, we very first met in 2015 at the big social in Manchester. Oh, that's right. Of course. How could I forget? In Manchester. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, that's an interesting place. That was a big social media conference. Hence the name, the big yeah. social media conference. And uh, I think uh, it was uh, Melanie Dodoro was there, uh, Mary Smith, there. Julia Bramble. I met, that was the first time I met Julia. Jenny Brennan. Jenny Brennan, yeah. 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 And we have hung out at Social Media Market World. Lisa Monks <laughs> is saying, I'm going to miss everyone this year at Social Media Market World. Well, not everyone, because we're, we're, we're not going. So, but, well, you'll still be miss honest, us. I don't have a lot of FOMO because I really honestly could do without the administration of flying at the moment. So I'm okay. <laughs> You're okay. Uh, well, that's good. Yeah. I've decided not to have FOMO, uh, but I will miss people. Um, yes, and I'm exactly. looking forward to getting back to traveling. Going to be in Orlando in May for yeah, VidFest. And I can't mm. wait because I've, yeah. Anyway, how did you get into what you're doing today? Um, how did you Brand strategy, yeah. When I left employment, I worked in fitness and property industries in London and in South Africa. But when I went self-employed, I first started out as a franchise consultant because that's what I'd spent about six years in and I'd worked in-house with a lawyer within a franchise. So, so actually my whole interest in value propositions kind of started then. And I'm a, I'm a structure girl anyway and a documenter. So structured business formats work really well for me. And then basically I've always been a word geek. So, you know, I've always, my creative outlet's always been writing. So comms and communication, and that was always there in the background from an amateur perspective, because then all of a sudden social media exploded and that whole world was introduced to me. So then I just, I basically moved over from franchise consulting into looking at the platforms and seeing how people are using them for business. And uh, yeah, long story short, eventually got to here. I've, I've run an agency for about 12 years now. And we specialize particularly in strategy and content marketing for content creators. 
and that's what we do today. Which is great. And I love, I love to see what you're doing. You've got your, your website is amazing and it's been great to see what, that. The new one? Yeah, the new one. <laughs> Shirley to, Rosslyn. Yeah. To, 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 yeah, develop. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But perfect audience, or as some people call it, an avatar. The avatar. So, so what, I, I've, I've always struggled with avatar, like, because it does feel like that the blue alien thing. And it feels... So I've, I've kind of like preferred to use the phrase perfect audience, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Because no. what is an avatar and why is it so important? Well, I think the biggest thing that's important, especially for smaller businesses, is by doing this exercise, you save yourself a world of grief and a world of time and energy. Because as we all know, it takes a long time to create content, good content, not crappy content, I will say. <laughs> and um, so what you want to be doing is making sure that you're creating the right content for the right people. And that's also going, when I, when I say I'm trying to help people build momentum building machines is because it is a machine. There are lots of parts to your machine. A part, a big part of that is content. So if you don't get that right, you're actually wasting a lot of time and energy and putting the wrong kind of pieces into your machine, if you like. So it is really hard to do just as it's really hard to even kind of put a brand strategy together for yourself because it's your business. But if you don't do the exercise, you, you do end up being quite unfocused. And if you think from a, a physics perspective, you end up with your energy going, you know, dissipating that way instead of actually being quite focused in one direction, which is how you build momentum. Absolutely. It's something that <laughs> speaking to a lot of people in marketing and in business in general, they avoid because you, I mean, you said it's hard work. It, it, it's kind of, it's using your brain. It's deep deep work and I think you're totally right that sometimes we like we can be so close to our business that we we don't actually know like I remember doing a course where we had to work out our strengths and I couldn't think of any of my strengths so I had to ask my wife like like what what are my strengths and it was because I was so too close to myself and I couldn't think and how do well can we do this on our own or, or how, how do we actually go about you, doing this? You can do it on your own, but I think it does help if you potentially do it with someone. But mm. the other thing you can do is if you are really struggling to start, when we create an avatar, you're basing it on your dream customer or your ideal client. And ideal doesn't mean that that's the only client you'll ever have, but it's like the client that you'd love to replicate and want more of. If you've got one of those already, what you could do is focus in and zone in on that individual and actually use them as your example. So usually when I go through this exercise, we've got a couple of different questions, some open, some closed in terms of the, the person. What I would say is important to note is not just their age and where they live and what car they drive. Because <laughs> some of those things are important, but some of them might not be universal to all of your customers. What you want when you're looking for universal characteristics is something that 80% of the time is true for your customer. Because if you're looking at something that's only personal to one or two people, that's not really gonna help you draw or magnetize more inquiries of your ideal customer. So we're trying to focus on where do we spend the most amount of energy in order to get the best return, if you like. As soon as you said that, lots of other reasons why I, I think this is so difficult for some people have co- come into my mind. It could be, well, okay, that's that's for 80% of my audience. Well, I, I don't, how do I even work out what, who they are? That's one question. And then the other question will be, well, yeah, but if I, if I do that, what about the 20%? You know, I want to be there for everyone. So I'm trying to think, where's the best place to start with this? Well, when you first start looking at your audience, like I said, if you can immediately first think of... So like for you, you've got a community as well. You've got a few different things, I think, that are going on. I think that's also probably where some people are a little bit wondering where do they start because they've got a few different avenues to their business. And I would say is before you even start an avatar exercise, you've actually got to think first about your value proposition and what your services and your products are. Because what you could end up with is different avatars for different types of products or different services. And your community might be slightly different altogether as well. So you've really got to work out and make sure you're really sharp about your value proposition. And your value proposition is basically what is the problem that you're solving? Who are you solving it for? And potentially, how are you doing it better than others? 
But that who are you solving it for is that important part because you can't be everything to everyone. And that is that is a very hard thing to swallow, but it's absolutely true. And this is the whole importance of of niche, of of having a niche. And a niche can be what you're offering, but it can also be your audience as well. So it might be that you create live courses. Okay, that's one thing, but you you also do it for entrepreneurs. That's very wide. Well, what type of entrepreneur? Is it female entrepreneurs, male entrepreneurs? Is it uh, millennials? So I think that's really important to sort that out first, the value proposition. But then how do we then go about working out who our audience is? So I think if you've, if you've worked out what your value proposition is and you know what your mix of your products is, the other question is actually, what is your business objective? So you might have an ideal customer avatar that buys like the least most valuable product and actually from a business perspective while you love them and you want more of them they don't make commercial sense for you to try and grab more of them if that makes sense so they're not actually a perfect customer they're like the safe option so what you want to balance is actually are, are you trying to grow or are you trying to increase your profitability if you're trying to grow in terms of revenue in terms of acquisition and getting new customers, be very, very clear then on what that customer is and then hone in on that. If, like I said, if you've really got one of those, that's fantastic. If you're not very sure about them because you might be fresh to the business, you like them, you're not terribly sure why you like them, feedback's really important. So what you could do is just try and find out a little bit more about them. Now, the things that are important from an avatar kind of sharpening perspective so while there's kind of demographic bits, there is an element to age, okay, there might be, but it might not be completely reliant for your product for them to be 25 and A, B, and C. It could be that age is not, you know, terribly important to what your avatar is. It might be that you've got to look at things like motivators, behavioral characteristics, disposable income. If your products are quite pricey, that automatically... Now, remember, this is not about shutting out everybody else. What it is about is filtering down where you focus your attention. You're not going to end up eliminating a bunch of people by filtering down your information. It's almost like a magnifying glass, you know, when you, or a wide lens, and then you, you go in and you zoom in. You're not necessarily cutting out what's in front of you. What you're doing is just narrowing your focus of attention. The other thing I'd also say is don't forget where the people are in their life cycle or their time of life because it might be that your product or service is an aspirational product or service so the kinds of people that you're trying to look for are people who are aspiring for a, a new need or a new something in the future and those are the guys you want to tap into not necessarily where they are right now in their lives or in their business yeah so that, that makes sense so it could be your avatar is somebody who's i don't know making 200 300k but your audience that you're attracting might not be making that but they want to make that is that kind of what you're talking about there yeah they could want to and it could be that that also gives you a bit of an indicator when we talked about your value proposition and your value ladder so your value ladder yeah. is your mix of different products that you have very clear different price points and things and it could be that there's a gap in the market okay you've got that product or service but actually there's a bunch of people just underneath that, which would, would love that product. How can you maybe produce a product or a service or something that would actually satisfy their need? Because you know, actually, they'll be the perfect avatar in the next year or two for your core product that you'd like to sell them for. So actually, by doing this exercise, you almost get a, some insights into a product that you may be missing on your ladder as well and help mm. you with product development. Yeah, definitely. I, I see different businesses doing it different ways that some some are very kind of subtle with their avatar so their avatar might for example be a woman in her 50s based in florida or something but actually they use that to kind of help them with their their content but they're they're not being obvious about i work with women in america whereas i see some some businesses are very very clear about this this is this is my business i work with this type of person can you maybe tell us um, a little bit more in your thoughts on on that and why we want yeah. to do either? Yeah, so I think you kind of do a bit of both anyway. So the mm. whole idea of doing an avatar exercise 
is so that you can almost feel like you can invite that person to dinner and you know them so well. But when you know them so well, it means you know the kinds of questions that keep them up at night. You know the kinds of things that get them out of bed in the morning. You know the kinds of challenges or obstacles they have in their life or their work, whatever it is that your solution solves. It might affect either side of their business, depending on what it is that you do. So the whole idea of doing an avatar exercise is not just to know that it's a lady that's 50 that lives in Florida. I mean, that's a very, what I call it, it's like, you know, a kid's color in book. That's the outline, you know, but actually getting the characteristics, their buying behaviors, their decision-making, their challenges, their obstacles, that's the coloring in that makes the picture whole and makes right. the person a person. That, that's really helpful. And I want so because I think a lot of people think, myself included, you know, when I've done avatar exercise in the past that, well, you, you could give them a name. Uh, you could say their age, their gender where they're based, maybe if you're going to be very, very in-depth, you might give them a salary. But what you're talking about is a lot more in-depth. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about what we should be looking at when it comes to building our, our, our avatar? I think some of those things are important that you mentioned already, because sometimes, again, it depends on your business, doesn't it? And it depends on the product that you're providing or the service you're providing. Because sometimes age is a defining factor for your avatar, but sometimes gender is not even a defining factor for your avatar. It's just people in a you know specific um, time in their business or in their life that have these needs or these these challenges. So the kinds of things you're wanting to be looking at is okay, definitely disposable income, if that is a factor in your pricing. But by focusing on it doesn't mean, again, you'll eliminate anyone. You're just getting really, really clear about the majority of people who would buy that product or service. But I would definitely look at characteristics like buying behaviors, attitudes, values. Values is quite a, it's a tricky one, but I think when you've done your brand strategy and you understand your own values and principles, you'll be able to quite, quite easily start to eliminate parts of the public where you go, actually those kind of individuals or those kind of businesses won't be interested in our product because either they just don't agree with your values or it's not on their radar at all. So sometimes your values are something that will specifically attract a very specific audience. So that's quite helpful for you to know. Also customer experience and, and what, what's important to people about the journey. So um, you said niche earlier, and I think for a lot of people, they think, oh crap, now I've got to think about what my specialism is. With niche or your USP, your, you know, your secret source, you don't have to be original to the whole world. You just need to be unique to that customer. And that might be that you do something different to what somebody else does. And nowadays, the big differentiator is around customer experience. If you can identify a particular trait within your avatars, where actually they're fed up with A, B, and C nowadays, everybody ex expects more than that as a basic, especially now during the pandemic, well, coming out of the pandemic now, it really shifted everybody's perceptions of actually what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. And then also what's kind of standard now, like, you know, so anybody that's delivering anything lower than the basic standard of a service, you know, so sometimes that's really helpful from a customer avatar's perspective mm. as well. And I think personality obviously comes into this, yes. particularly if you're a small business, uh, a solopreneur, yes. if we have to use that word, uh, because, yes. you know, you're getting in front of the camera on a live video like this. You're working with, if you're a coach or a consultant, you're working yes. with people. And you might not know as much as other people in your industry, but you might just have that particular personality that's attractive to your perfect audience. You know, you might be more of a introvert. You might not be as kind of full of energy as some other people, but that is... Everyone's attracted to different, yeah. to different approaches. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, you're going to say, Shelley. No, it went out of my head. Continue. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no the, the one thing I was <laughs> going to say is, um, the other thing is, if your avatars are businesses that are buying from you, that's another thing that people get a little, little bit stumbled on. Are they trying to do a profile on a business? Um, yes, potentially, because if whatever your product or service is only um, specific to a particular industry or size of business, that's important. But where you do need to look at is the individual again within the company that you end up working with. So 
the decision maker or the person that will be the one that actually be buying your product or your service. Or if there is a particular influencer or a gatekeeper that would get you into the customers. That's if, if you deal with people like that, then you actually probably have to do a little bit of work on, on those people. Always go to the humans. Don't go to the, the corporate, if that makes sense. Yeah. You, if, if you're, if you work, if you work with corporates, you, you work with individuals within that and you've got to find exactly. out, well, who are the people that are going to be making the, the decisions? Yeah. Uh, otherwise you're going to be in trouble. So that's great. But I wonder whether some people watching and listening might start to be feeling a little bit overwhelmed thinking, oh, okay, well, this is this is all great, but how on earth, Shelley, do I find out who my perfect audience is, who my, yes. um, who my, audi- uh, my avatar is? It, you know, I do I look at my, my favorite clients over the years, my favorite customers, or t- tell us, help us? <laughs> yeah, I think you do look at favorite customers and clients. I think... Ultimately, what you want to do is just make sure that you, like I said before, also commercially, it's got to make sense, the activity that you're about, this exercise that you're about to do. So what you don't want to do is go and do all of this work for an ideal customer that actually you don't have a product for in the future, or they're not going to help you with whatever your business objectives are in terms of acquiring new customers. So always make sure that that rings true. Yes, look at your previous customers and go, okay, but you've got to be pretty black and white, I reckon, and, and objective, because while they might be nice people, are they ticking the other boxes of what makes them an ideal client? So an ideal client is someone who buys what you've got, they value they value what they've bought, uh, they want more of whatever it is that you've got. For me, those are kind of like really good ideal customers, and obviously they become advocates for you and they talk you know, they talk to their networks and their friends about you. That for me is like a really good, perfect uh, customer or a client avatar. So you almost don't need to do too much marketing. But the idea of you doing this exercise is so that you can get to the point where you know what content you want to create for these guys. So you really, if you don't um, know them well enough and say you've only been in business a couple of years and actually you're still trying to work out who your um, ideal customers are, what you could also do is maybe just set up some calls with your ideal customers or a couple of customers you have already, and maybe just start a conversation or try and get some feedback from them about what is it that they like about your product or your service? You know, how, how did they feel beforehand? You know, almost like when you do case studies and then potentially that might start to shift a little bit for you so that actually you can start to work out, oh, okay, that's true. You know, like you were saying, Ian, like you don't know what your strengths are, you might not also know what those benefits look like of your solution. So you don't know how to put together a value proposition statement to say why you're good at what you do and who you serve. So if you're in that kind of space at the moment, go old school and have conversations with your customers at the moment that are paying you. And then you can kind of step back. You've got that information. You go, okay, that sounds good. Right, from that, I'm going to distill this. What's common with these couple of people that I've spoken to? And then you've almost got to start. You just need to start. I think that's the important part. I, I love that. And I, th- I think you've taken people watching and listening from overwhelmed to something that, oh, yeah, actually, I can I do, do that. that. I, I, yeah. I love this from Nicola. So you mentioned Nicola. Um, and I think she said Nicola's a coach. So values yep. are so important, she says. Working with people-focused organizations is really important to me. Yes. So Nicola's got a very clear avatar. I know her from one of my business. Like, so she's got a very, she's, she's done the work. She's gone like, these are the only types of individuals I want to speak to. And sometimes it's not that they're five foot four and they're 56 and they're that. It's actually more about them as humans. What are their values? What are their principles? And, and what are their desires or needs, you know, in terms of what it is they're trying to do in their, you know, in their business lives, all their lives. Yeah. No, I love that. And I was I was thinking, so I, I saw Nicola's comment before you spoke and I said, and I was looking, thinking, well, values, so for me, like values are really important, but I wouldn't necessarily be able to articulate that or I haven't been able to articulate that. I know the kind yeah. of person, you know, my clients tend to have certain yeah. values, I, I, yeah. but the, the best way is, is really to to talk to them, to, and, and I think most of the time our audience, uh, our clients are going to be more than happy to jump on a call and, you know, tell us 
a bit more about themselves. I mean, who doesn't like to talk about themselves? <laughs> and also what people forget, and mm. I've had this with, a, with another client where I said, okay, well, are you sure this is, he was trying to put together a product for, he goes, oh, I want to do this. I'm like, okay, so what I want you to do is pick five clients and I want you, who you've told me that would love this. I want you to get on a call with them and ask them if they'd love this. And actually, when you start opening up those conversations, what you thought they needed kind of is true, but actually how you would sell it to them or market to them is actually quite different because they tell you something completely different. Yeah. Um, but by even having those conversations, you end up with more business because you've actually sat in a 20 minute conversation with a client who, you, who might not have called, you know, in the past. So you really just get to know people so much deeper and then once you know all of this information, that's when you come up with your, your themes, your topics and your titles for your content. And then you can actually look at platforms and where are they? So don't, don't mm. worry about tactics. Don't worry about, oh, does that mean they're here or there? Really focus on who these individuals are. And you can even ask those questions when you're on the calls with them and say, look, from a platform perspective, what at the moment keeps your attention more? Where do you like to see things and how do you like to digest information? Ask those questions. For some of you, that, that audience question in terms of digestion of content might be really, really relevant. And for others, they're like, oh, we're a bit everywhere, so we're not so fussed, you know. But there's starting to be quite a division, I think, across social media platforms now as to what's happening where. As a small business, you really need to choose one and go deep. But you really got to try and pick the one that's going to bring you what you're needing from an objective perspective in terms of getting new customers or building new, you know, partners, affiliates, community. It depends on what your objective is as well. Yeah, that that's really helpful information, I think. And yeah, you, asking your clients where they hang out, it could be, or what they where they enjoy. And sometimes that might not necessarily be where you think you might be surprised like for me I, I i know i need to do more research on this i i think that um i i work with men and women but i think actually probably about 80 90 percent of my clients are women they are 40 plus they tend to hang out on instagram and which is slightly unfortunate because i don't particularly enjoy instagram but um, it's, it's about what I do enjoy is, is hanging out with these people and, and they, you know, that's, it's finding the community. And I think the community is so important. Now, Martin Buckland, I like his, his view on this. I don't know what you think. It's, it's like, it's just like a job search, uh, narrow it down to the key decision maker. I think that's for, you know, particularly when working with, with corporates. Have you got any thoughts on if we do work more with corporates as opposed to yeah. uh, solo businesses, how do we how do we find out about those people? Because that, that's a little bit more tricky, I think. Okay, there's a little there's a little bit of difference here. Right. So when you're dealing with bigger business, I mean corporate could be anything, right? I mean, I I don't do blue chip size companies because I feel like you you're never part of a decision making process and you'll always be a number on somebody's PL. And I don't like working in that kind of environment I feel, you know. So one of my values is, is actually being involved in the business with the business owner from my perspective. So if you're in a similar situation where actually you do want to work with somebody who is a decision maker, then that's fairly easy in terms of trying to work out who that decision maker is and what their role is within the organization. But what I always try and say is just remember who's above them and who's below them. So who's above them, if they're a fairly senior manager, you're ending up with either the board of directors or, you know, the executives above them. And then if there's anyone below them as potentially an influencer to them, whether it's an executive assistant or a junior account manager or something, they're quite easily someone to go, oh, have you seen this, this video, you know, this dude, yeah, and he's, he's quite, he's quite smart, you know, and um, there's a little bit of an element of knowing that environment there, but what what will then be important for you to understand this? Because your key decision maker, he'll he or she or whatever, would have to um, answer some very significant questions above in order to get a, a tick and a sign off in order to hire you. So they're not necessarily a decision maker; they are to a degree, but they need sign off from someone above. If they do, what I would say is, when you do that avatar exercise, I would then think about that. 
And then you think about your value proposition and your benefits and everything that you put together. Make sure you have a version that uses different language that actually helps him sell it to the people above him. That makes sense. You so, stakeholder language, you know, all the big words. Yeah. Yeah, Return on investment. You need, you, to, know. you need to learn all the lingo, otherwise you, you learn all the lingo based on what your solution is that you would normally say to that key decision, that person that you would work with, because they understand you because they would work with you, but they'll also have to sell it to the above. So when you create that copy and that for him, make sure you're also creating a set of copy that's in the terminology in the words that the guys above understand more. So they'll actually say yes to him. It helps him. It makes his job easier. So he'll want to work with you. Definitely. Now, like if you're if you're still feeling overwhelmed, you don't need to do this on your own. This is something you can get help with. You can get get in touch with Shelley. We'll we'll give you some more details about Shelley because Shelley can help you with these things as well. If you've just joined, welcome. Let us know in the comments where you're watching from. And if you have found out, if you've done some work on finding out your perfect audience or your avatar, um, so it's uh, that's what that's what we're talking about on, on this show. And so, yeah, let's move on to the next section. You're listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Looks like it's time for something completely nutty. How to work out your perfect, perfect audience. How to work out your perfect, perfect audience. Shelly Rosslands coming on the show today. Mm-mm. So, Shelly, uh, you've given us so many amazing uh, things to think about here. When we're working on our avatar, and if we're interviewing our uh, you know, perfects or our previous clients, our current clients that we enjoy working with, we want more. Yeah, and we want yeah. Uh, there are, so there, you, we've talked about questions such as like values, and I think what you know what are the questions that we should be asking them. I'm in particular. I'm just I'm in, I'm interested in digging down a little bit further into what we mean by values, because um, some of these phrases, you know, things like um, the yeah. obvious things like gender, age. Uh, that's kind of that's that's all very simple in a way, um, but. Yeah. When it comes to things like values and uh, I don't know, even things like purchase things that are decisions. Important to stuff. people. Yeah. yeah. Like, to, to tell us, you know, what, what are the kind of questions that we should be asking um, our clients? And, well, uh, I think you, yeah. you kind of first have to know what yours are, though, don't you? <laughs> well, so that's true. Think- that That is true. So maybe, okay, so maybe that's the best question to ask. <laughs> and this is kind of uh, like a right. weird question. How do we, how how do we do find have, out what our, yeah. how do we find out what our values are? <laughs> Okay, I mean, you, there's lots of different ways to do a values elicitation. They call values elicitation exercises. So Nicola's a coach. She's watching. A couple of other coaches and consultants will be watching. So I'm not a coach, but I have done the exercise myself with a coach. And I also do a very simplistic version um, within my program with brand owners. You almost kind of, you can start with a, a table of words, if you like. And then you look at those words and you go, okay, which of these words are um, mean the most to me or important to me? And it could be things like um, adventure, uh, uh, bravery, diligence, competence. It, it could be a range of words, right? And then what you almost do is you kind of just start, you might start out and have circled 20 and then you'll whittle them down to 10. What I do say with clients is, um, What's really useful is once you've kind of whittled down what you think um, are your like top five, they're just basically words at this point are the most important to you, like trust or um, honesty or transparency or diligence, whatever those things are. But then actually go back to your customers and your audience um, or maybe not your customers. I'd probably do it more like professionals that know you, have known you for a while. It could be a couple of good clients that have known you for donkey's years and have worked with you for ages. They, they're a pretty consistent litmus test for you. And you go, I'm busy doing this exercise. This is what I think, um, my, you know, this is what my values are. You know, w- what would you attribute to me when you think of me or you work with me? What's your experience of me? And actually they'll give you some feedback um, as well. And then you can kind of go, okay, 
we are the match really well. So they go, what, what it, what's important to me seems to be reflecting really well. They, they are identifying me as that, which is good. If there's a, a big difference, it might be just in terminology. So a customer is identifying a value by a different word. Um, to you, like diligence, we had this example in my group yesterday, uh, diligence and the competence. So while the brand owner goes, you know, competence is really important to me. It's something I really value. And then the customer goes, well, actually, I think you're quite diligent. To me, they're quite similar, but they're just slightly different meanings. Mm. So I think you've just got to work out what are the things that are important to you? What are the things that are non-negotiables? They're basically things that you would go to battle for because like the line is drawn in the sand. That makes sense. So those that, are your values and you build those into your principles as a, as a brand. Now that makes sense. Now I, something okay. that I've been working on recently is uh, personality. And I think personality yes. comes into this. So I've been doing yes. some personality tests. You know, there's, there's, there's Enneagrams and then there's the, there's the big five. Uh, so whether you're um, open or um, whether you're, what's, what are the words? In, introvert, extrovert, all those kind of things. And I think um, we... So maybe kind of we we might enjoy working with introverts or extroverts or people who are very creative people. Would yeah. you say that's kind of part of that, or what? It's just the word values to me I would think seem it's useful. Mm. But that 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 when you're doing the the values and the personality, you're always trying to still work out what your brand strategy is. Who are you as a business? What do you want to be experienced as? Do you know what I mean? So that you're making sure that that's what's coming through when you're actually doing the business that you're doing. And when you do your customer avatar exercises, you, you've always got to try and find the customers that are going to, one, resonate with you. One, the ones that you just definitely don't ever want to work with because, you know, it just wouldn't suit you at all. But I think it's, it's overcomplicating things at the moment. I think the easiest place to start is if you already have customers that you really love working with and it's working well from a financial perspective as well and just always do a check-in that it fits in with the business objective i've seen too many small businesses get really i really want to work with these guys like yeah but they're not paying you enough and in order to to do that you need loads of them like are you set up for that can you scale for that where you need loads of them in order for it to make business sense just make sure all the time it's business sense which you're focusing on your customer avatars yeah i think that's absolutely vital and i'm sure we could all share some stories of maybe when we first started out we want to help everybody and and that was the case with me i mean i i started off as a professional musician and uh so when i set up my web agency we set the web agency up to help professional classical musicians the problem with that from a business point of view is that money they have no money uh and so like the the, the web business, now we, we, we focus on businesses. We still do uh, websites for musicians, but in, a, uh, but in a way it's they are kind of, they are, uh, what's the word? Um, they, they're, uh, a small segment. Of very, your, very small segment. Yeah. And in a, they're kind of subsidized in a way by everything else that we do. By and that's others. kind of like, because yes. I, I feel like I enjoy doing that. But it's, um, I, I think that that is absolutely important because you'll get burnt out if you keep working exactly. with people who do not pay you, uh, although you might want to help these people, you've you've also yes. got to run a profitable business. Now, I love this, what Nicola says. Yep. Um, she talks about the word strengths. For me, she says, it's what really motivates you. What is it that gives you energy? Uh, so, in yeah. she says, you should um, you bring, lost, those. Yeah, bring those strengths you discovered into it. And I, I, I love that. I think that's so... So true, because there are certain clients that I, I mean, I'm a coach and a consultant I, that I really, really love working with. And it's really a case of working out what are those, what are those things, those aspects of the people that gives me the energy. Um, Martin Buckland yes. says, uh, we are to, uh, talking the crux of personal branding now. What yes. is your differentiator? What is your value? What is your competitive edge? Why should I interact yes. with you? Very interesting conversation. Yes. yes. There's always going to be an element of personal branding within any business branding because whoever the owner is behind the brand, they that, as Daniel Priestley calls them, the key person of influence, the KPI. So actually, if, if also, if you're a one-man band at the moment, very much whatever 
you know, your strengths are and your values are, it's quite baked into your business. So even if you grew going forward, that will always to a degree be true. So that's why I kind of start with your own values because you, you naturally build them and bake them into your offering and what your brand is and what's going to be important to your business. Yes, you always add different things as you go along, but you, you know, you start with that. Mm, definitely. Now, before we get on to more about the the, pers- the, the branding side of things and also yep. what should we then do with all this like amazing knowledge we've got, uh, yeah. I do want to talk about the some things that people struggle with with this, uh, and yes. I probably include myself in this, which is I mentioned before that probably 80% of my clients are women um, and are female, yeah, and but but I I I enjoy working with men as well. That's not yeah. for me. Is not the most important thing. But I yeah. do feel that I should probably my avatar probably should be a woman. But uh, what what are your thoughts on this well, when it comes to things like gender on, on the avatar? I think the other thing we got to remember, Ian, is how okay your audience is fairly big now, but it's it's thinking about how you ended up growing that audience. And it's it's almost kind of statistically was always going to be true to be female. Like working with particular entrepreneurs where you've done live production work within their communities or even with, you know, tool-based environments where you've been in the communities or agent. You know what I mean? You would have been trying to grow your audience, if you like, within other people's audiences. So you kind of naturally anyway would end up with a proliferation if you like of 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 that percentage of male versus female i think the thing is it's nice to recognize for example you're saying like about 80 percent of is it your clients or your community i'm not sure if one is the same as the other maybe is that well, true? You, you, well you'd hope that would be the case because i mean that's the obviously that's the dream and i think in my case uh it's probably 60 70 percent female uh in my what? community in your community and mm. then your actual clients are generally it's even, female it's, it's even more so well yeah it's not but not completely but more more so yeah but more so um because don't forget there's you know the world at large in terms of t- statistical who's out there and who's who's self-employed and who's in particular industries doing what so i think there's an element to that as well i think the only thing you've got to remember is the only time it starts to make a difference is where you've decided like you said, you know, I pretend I I prefer working with men. Um, I do have um female clients as well, and and within my community as well. And, and online, I seem to have a lot more um females following me than potentially males do, and it depends on the platform. But I don't necessarily want to be female only because I like having the mix. I like having the difference between them. So the only time it starts to affect you. Is where you've decided that actually I only want to work with one or the other, whatever it is you've decided or, you know, um, however it is you're going to position the business, but it's going to affect your visual and your editorial guidelines. So that's the bit where, you know, your brand strategy again comes through in terms of your brand experience. So the kinds of words that you use, the kinds of, you know, the kinds of challenges that when you're doing your avatar, and you're doing your female avatar, are there particular obstacles and challenges that they're having that the, the male avatar doesn't? There's no reason why you can't have the two avatars. The only time you're actually using the avatar stuff is when you're creating content and when you're potentially looking at product development. You know, because in general, probably from your perspective, and the challenges are probably fairly similar. You solve a lot of people's um, challenges around confidence in front of the camera. So that's not really a gender thing. Uh, well, I don't think it is. I think I've met both from both sides where they're having issues with being in front of the camera. Some of it is a technical thing, you know, in terms of them being able to actually technically set up to do their live shows and how do they go about it. So I think for you, there's kind of, there's a crossover quite simply there. The thing you've got to decide is when you're choosing your brand, you're choosing your messaging, your colors, your use of fonts. If you only want to actually only attract females going forward and only men or only men, that's going to affect how you paint your picture in terms of you as a brand. And then similarly, if you don't want to eliminate one or the other, you've, you've got to choose a neutral ground where you're not. So for me, you'll see with my branding, very bold, you know, color, very bold colors. I've got a little bit of a hand script here and there, but what I didn't want was pink and gray and flowery. 
you know, I, I want to be able to attract both male and female um, customers as well. It's an interesting, I mean, this is a whole other topic of conversation, which we probably get into another time, but it's interesting, the whole um, male-female thing, because like, we're getting into gender stereotypes here. And, you know, like my, my daughter, for example, her favorite color is blue. And, you know, and I think yes, there are some exactly. men who are, who have more female characteristics and some more women that have more, yeah. you know, the, and well, it's a whole other co- topic of conversation. I just it don't is, think it, it really is. Uh, but actually it so, just affects mm. your, um, and from a graphic designer perspective, when you're trying to in, instruct a graphic designer around who your target audience is, they will be asking you these things as well. Yeah. So they will specifically go for more neutral ground, which doesn't mean boring. It's just when there's a very specific, you know, way in which you choose fonts. There's a very specific yeah. way in choose choose colors. So it actually really helps your website designer as well as your graphic designer if they're very clear on who you try. And uh, yeah, I'm generalizing by saying pink and flowery, but it, it's not that. You know what I mean? I'm being a bit extremist to to explain the difference <laughs> between the two. It will also come down to editorial guidelines as well as to how you use your words, what terminology you use that would resonate more, but mainly based on there might be slightly different motivators within your male or your female um, avatars as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, so you've actually answered a lot of the kind of questions I was going to ask you, which is about you know, once we've come up with our avatar, then what do we then yeah. do with it? And so you've, you've, you've used words like the, the typography, the colors, the branding, the yeah. uh, the words that we use. Is there anything else that we should be thinking about? For, for example, I mean, obviously, this is the Confident Live marketing show. We talk a lot about yes. how we can utilize live. What can we how once we've worked all of that out, how can we use that our knowledge of our avatar in our live shows? Well, very simply, like the topic, <laughs> immediately the topic of what you're going to talk about on your live show. So when you've done your, your custom avatars, if you're doing a full exercise, I extend that into a content marketing roadmap, if you like. So we go through what are your top themes of content? So that's almost like if you think about your podcast show, like you've got, you've got your three top themes, don't you? In terms of what you cover within your live show. So by knowing your avatar, you'll know that those are the top three. And then within those, those top three, you'll have almost like little subdivisions, which are called the topics. And then within the topics, because some of the topics might be quite meaty, you might end up with a couple of titles under each one of the topics as well. So ultimately your avatar exercise is actually giving you the ideas of, um, you know, blog posts, or if you're doing your live show, your, you know, what your topics of your live show are. And also in terms of then finding the right guests so that they, you know, they're going to suit your audience and what it is that they need to hear. Awesome. Well, we are almost out of time, Shelley. I, I know we could, we, there's probably so much more we could talk about. Is, is there anything that we've missed, anything vital before we finish? Because um, I know you've got your big list of, of Yeah, I've got my big list. Let me just <laughs> double check we didn't, because only because we talked about it a little bit behind us. Yeah. It just mainly makes sure you're also looking at people's behaviors, their buying or their decision-making mm. routes. You know, it's not just about their characteristics. You know, so have a have a look at, you know, communities they're in as well that might be relevant for you as well. Um, yeah, don't just start as well. Don't don't get too overwhelmed. Just start, like we said, and choose a, a good existing customer that you love. Get on the call, get on a call with them. And then eventually over time you'll start to learn, you know, what what you know, what it is about you that they enjoy, that they buy into. Um, yeah. otherwise I think we've pretty much covered as much as we can well, I think from so a, I, I think well we, you, you'll just have to come back on the show so having a, yeah. having a working document I think is important whether it's a Google Doc or a pen and paper and start jotting this stuff down about who oh, you think your your audience yes. is and it might that it might change over time uh, so will. some of the mm. things that we've been talking about today just as a reminder you know talk with it could probably not family but friends in in the in your industry who know you well or it could be clients ask them yes. more about you and what makes you you and yes. then start to interview your audience as well well uh, you to the best place for people to find out more about you of course is your website which is shellyrussland.com and I'll spell it s h e l l e y so there is an extra e in there R-O-S-T-L-U-N-D.com. But the link will be in the show notes at iag.me forward slash 
155. And where's the best place for people to uh, follow you on the socials? On socials, well, I'm trying to be good with Instagram. So have a bash over there. <laughs> but um, I'm generally on LinkedIn quite a bit. Um, I've been on Twitter for years as well. But basically LinkedIn and Instagram. I am on Facebook as well, but probably Instagram and LinkedIn. That's, that's um, where The you links need will to be. all be on the website as well. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, you have also got this quite a, quite a cool brand strength quiz. So tell us more about this. Yeah, so if you fancy this, guys, you can decide whether you're a misfit, a magician, or a maven. So by doing this quiz, what I do is help you try and work out what your brand strength is at the moment, where you are right now in your business. And then I give you the top three things that you need to focus on right now, because actually we're small businesses. We can't do everything perfectly. So what you can do is focus on the things that are important right now for where you are, because you can build on that for the future. So if you go do the quiz, you can find out whether you're a misfit, a magician, or a maven. Which one do you think you are, Ian? <laughs> can you be a combination? I, I don't know. Um, I have I a think... tipping point. There's a tipping point. I've got tipping magician, so from misfit to magician. I Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, somewhere in between misfit and magician, I think, is probably what I am. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to ask you, do you th would you agree with that? Do you think knowing me, do you think I might be somewhere in between those or shall I just have to I do the exercise? I think you are between, for me, actually, this is part of my customer avatar exercise. So what I've done is I've taken my avatar and I kind of split them along their brand journey. Right. So I know cool. misfits, they'll, you know, they'll do the, um, they'll do the quiz, but they might not yet be magicians who are perfect for my brand compass program, my group program. But I know that all they need to do is do a few more bits and within a year or two, they will be perfect. And then the, the, the mavens are probably the ones that kind of want to go for VIP kind of, you know what I mean? But they are the similar kind of avatar, so, but um, on different parts of their journey. So that's when you can do cool things like create quizzes and profiles and texts mm. when you've got your audience a lot better. Interesting. We're going to have to have a look at it. It depends on the definition of a misfit. I just feel I'm a misfit uh, because I'm... It does mean uh, you're cute and mischievous, Ian, so don't oh, well, worry. There, there we go. There, there we go. That's that's good. So if you want to find, if you want to play, uh, if you want to do that, then go to shellyrosland.com forward slash brand dash quiz and the show notes will have all of these links. So you, you don't need to worry about any of that well thank you so much Shelley we are out of time well that's it for this week and until next time I encourage you to level up your impact authority and profits to the power of confident live video season bye thanks for listening to the confident live marketing podcast with Ian Anderson Gray make sure you subscribe at iag.me forward slash podcast so you can continue to level up your impact authority and profits through the power of live video and until next time, toodaloo! How to work out your perfect, perfect audience. How to work out your perfect, perfect audience. Shelly Russell's coming on the show today.